Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. And welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome to episode 541. I am really excited to share with you today's episode. I interviewed my good friend Nir Ayal, author of Indistractable. I interviewed him for my professional community of coaches and therapists and things, uh, people, professionals who work with families like I do. But our discussion was so rich and so good that I wanted to share it with you here as well. And I initially interviewed Nir on episode 396 on the podcast. So that would have been in, back in November, which was pre-COVID life. And so in today's show, we get into some discussions about how technology has helped or harmed us in this COVID world that we're living in. And you might be surprised by some of the things he shares in this episode So, I welcome you to join us to talk about becoming indistractable. All right. Hello, everyone. I am so excited that we have with us today my good friend, Nir Ayal, and he is the author of this fabulous little book. You can see that mine is very well loved because it's got marks all over the cover because it went everywhere with me. You know, that's yeah. catnip for authors. We love seeing books that are well-worn, well-read. That's like the biggest compliment we could get. Yes, absolutely. I read it and then I passed it on to my husband. So we, oh, we both it. got lots and lots of benefit out of it. So why don't we, why don't we start near by telling us, I, I don't think I asked you this the last time we talked. What is... I have two questions, actually. What is your favorite part of the book? Like, what is your favorite tidbit? And then what Mm -hmm. do you find when you talk to people? Is there one that jumps out that everybody says, whoa, that's amazing? Yeah, it's the same one, actually. Uh, And that's the parenting section. Yes. Uh, That I think the parenting section um, is like pulling off a Band-Aid, Right. It like it hurts when you learn what's really going on. Um, yeah. But then the, the breath of fresh air of, oh, that's what's going on, because I think that there is this. So basically, to, in a nutshell, I 
um, I share research that really changed my own perspective uh, around parenting. So I'm, I'm the father of a beautiful 12 year old little girl. And, um, you know, the, the, this problem with distraction and specifically technology, uh, it's, it's unavoidable. Uh, and it's something that we have struggled with since she was born, frankly, she was born in 2008. And, um, uh, that was the year the iPhone came out. And then I remember some of her first words were iPad time, iPad time. Uh, you know, it was mommy, daddy, and then iPad time. That was like some of her first words. And so it, it, it's a real struggle. And then, you know, now she's a preteen and, and all her friends are on social media. Uh, and so we have to know how to navigate this stuff. And I start the chapter by diving into, um, some parenting myths starting with uh, turning over this apple cart around the sugar high, which every parent knows that if kids eat too much sugar, they go crazy, right? They act hyper. And that's, of course, everybody knows that, right? It's not true in the least. Uh, it, you don't have to take my word for it. A quick Google search of is, you know, is the kid's sugar high uh, a myth? Google it. Study after study, there's in fact um, uh, uh, these the studies of studies that have found that conclusively, 100%, there is no such thing as a sugar high. In fact, if anything, sugar makes you sleepy. It does not make you hyperactive. Um, the only thing it does is it makes, it doesn't make kids crazy. It makes parents crazy. That there have been studies that find that when kids are given a placebo, that's not sugar, but their parents are told they ate sugar, the parents act ridiculous. The parents follow the kids around and they say how they're acting stupid and they, you know, criticize and they do all kinds of mean things to their kids because they think their kid is bouncing off the wall with sugar. And so I use this as the entry point to open people's minds to our parental tendency to look for something to explain kids' crazy behavior. And uh, this is what parents have done since time immemorial. I mean, literally the Romans talked about how their kids are the worst generation ever. <laughs> and then of course, you know, in, in modern history, uh, it was, you know, when I was growing up, it was heavy metal was turning all the kids into Satanists. And before that it was uh, the radio and the novel, you know, the novel was supposed to be terrible for kids' brains because they were going to spend all their time with these fantasies of reading things, horrible technology. Uh, and, you know, the Bicycle. The bicycle in its day was a terrible, terrible technology. People were afraid. And this is what we have to be aware of. Anytime somebody says, you know, save the women and children, there, there's, it's probably a moral panic. So what happened with the bicycle? And I'm not making this up. This is, you can Google this for yourself. They said, uh, you know, experts, psychologists said that it was driving women mad, that it was leading to what was called bicycle face that it was turning women's faces into old wrinkled faces because riding on a bicycle was, was, was turning their brains to mush. Literally every technology we freak out about. If it's about women and children, people that historically we don't believe can make good decisions, then they must be protected from these evil technologies. That's what historically we do time and again and again and again. Which brings us to modern day. This is what we're doing with technology. Technology is the latest sugar high. 
Uh, it's late and, and, and more broadly speaking, it's, we call it screen time, right? That, Oh, your kid's getting too much screen time. Uh, their, their, their minds are turning to mush. And of course the media loves this. <laughs> right? <laughs> we read about this every day, uh, because guess who they're competing with, who is the New York times and CNN and Fox news, who are they in competition with? They're in the same exact business as Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and so they want you to believe that, you know, the social media companies are terrible because that's their competition <laughs> and they love you know fear and gloom headlines because uh, uh that's what gets your attention we have a natural what's called a negativity bias we look for scary bad news uh we don't hear the studies that say actually the effect size is minimal which is the case the effect there was a study done uh a, a few years ago about social media and how uh, it leads to de depressive symptoms uh but when you dig into this in the and, and it made every headline there was a there was a viral post in the Atlantic that said, uh, are smartphones destroying a generation that went super viral? You probably read it. And then if you look at the study, uh, some other researchers will say, well, let, let's look at this study exactly. And the study found one, it was only for extreme users. It in zero effect if you use three hours or less of extracurricular screen time. But for the really extreme five, six hours a day of screen time, there was a small effect. And that effect, I'm not making this up, was as much of an effect as eating potatoes. That's how big of an effect it had on self-reported mental well-being. It had about a, a fraction, it had a tenth of a percent of the effect of getting one night of bad sleep, let alone bullying or drug use or any of that stuff, which really does have an effect on mental well-being. Screen time had about the same effect as eating potatoes. <laughs> so we have way over-exaggerated uh, these, these claims. Uh, we freaked parents out. And the real problem, I, I'm all for moderating tech use. I think we absolutely have to stop treating iPhones like iNannies. I think it's a huge mistake. Uh, it drives me crazy when I go to a restaurant and at every table where there's a family, everybody at the table that's on their phones as opposed to being present with each other, terrible. I think we need to fix that. And, and a lot of it, frankly, is our fault as parents that, you know, you can't tell your kid, get off Facebook, stop playing Fortnite when you're checking email. And it doesn't work that way. Kids, you know, they come born with these hypocrisy detection devices that are constantly looking and scanning for hypocrites. And so a big part of it is our example. But uh, we can we can moderate kids use of technology and teach them how to use it healthfully and become indistractable. Uh, without all this fear and, and, and gloom and doom, what we can do is to look at this rationally and not take our eye off of the deeper reasons why kids are getting distracted in the first place. And so this is the section of the book that kind of uh, in the process of researching it really blew my mind because I came across uh, some of the most well-established research that most that somehow hasn't made it out to the layperson audience. It's kind of stuck in, in academia, which is what's called self-determination theory. And self-determination theory has been around for over 40 years. It's the most widely accepted theory of human flourishing. And basically what it says is that every human being on the face of the earth needs three psychological nutrients. Uh, we have our, you know, we have physiological nutrients. We have the macronutrients of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. We also have psychological nutrients, and these are mastery, autonomy, and uh, relatedness. Uh, so with these three psychological nutrients, what we find is 
that uh, if we don't get enough of these psychological nutrients offline, we look for them online. This is called the needs displacement hypothesis. So when we don't get enough of competency, autonomy, and relatedness in the, the real world, we look for them somewhere else. And what kids are doing today, they are so deficient in these psychological nutrients that they have no other choice but looking for them somewhere. And so they look for it online. So I would argue that excessive tech use to the point where it's harming kids is the symptom, not the disease. The disease is that kids don't get enough of these psychological nutrients. I think that's just a fascinating way to look at it. Because like you said, the media just... Uh the media once, and I really think this came from Twitter. That's my theory that the media and oh, at least Americans want to reduce everything to a sound bite, like 120 characters or less. So mm. if a child is um, seeming to be addicted to social media or f getting on social media and then feeling depressed and not good enough and all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. it's easy to reduce it to, oh, well, social media is the problem. It, it's, it certainly is. And what's interesting, it's, uh, oh, it's, just, it's just been so fascinating recently just to keep it super topical because I, it, it's, it's just amazing what's happened recently. So um, recently there was, uh, so the, the woman who wrote this article that went super viral called Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation. She also wrote a book called iGen. And uh, her name is Jean Twenge. I've, I've debated her uh, a few times now. We actually agree on a lot. Uh, but her studies essentially are, are, are try and point to this causal relationship. It's, it's actually been not, it's not completely her fault because, you know, of course, as social scientists, it's not uh, causation. Causation is very hard to prove. What we're showing is correlation, right? We So look, this number went up at the same number at the same time that this number went up, right? Like increased proliferation of smartphones, increased rise in teen suicide. Oh, you know, one caused the other. Maybe, right? There's correlation, but it's very difficult to show causation. And in fact, the more we reveal these studies, we find that there is no, or likely is no uh, causation. There are many reasons why. But what's happened recently, she actually did a follow-up post and she wrote just like last week in the Atlantic, a follow-up post that had something to the title of during the pandemic, teenagers are doing great. And what she found was that teenagers are thriving, that during this pandemic, the a number of teenagers who report depressive symptoms is way down and, and social media use isn't way down. In fact, it's up. What's, what's changed more than anything is sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Sleep has a massive impact on our psychological well-being. Oh, I, I don't know if you have teenagers, but the amount of time that we allow kids to rest is criminal in this country. I mean, I, I remember when I went to school, I had to get up at 6 a.m. and go to bed, you know, sometimes at midnight. I mean, to give a teenager with a growing body and a growing brain six hours of sleep, of course it leads to depression. I would be depressed every day too if I had to sleep only six hours a night. And now it's even worse because with all the pressure around getting into college and the sports, the language and the tutoring and the test prep, kids get even less sleep than they used to in our generation. So it turns out the big aha here is guess what? When kids don't have to spend all that time commuting and, uh, you know, uh, playing sports and after school and all that stuff, they get more rest and they feel better psychologically and physi physiologically. 
And uh, that seems to be what's going on. And the, the, the reason there's a relationship here is when technology use displaces other stuff, that's when it's bad. The cost of technology is not that video game play necessarily, if it's age appropriate, is bad. It's what does it displace? If it displaces sleep, that's bad because not getting enough sleep is bad for you. If it displaces time playing with friends, being with your family, doing social, you know, playing sports, that's the cost. It's an opportunity cost. So the solution isn't banning screen time, throw away your kid's iPhone, you know, uh, bash in the Xbox. The solution is how do we plan time to do these psychologically healthy things like free play, like, uh, you know, uh, physical activities, like these things that, that, that uh, kids need, like time for sleep. <laughs> That is so utterly fascinating. Isn't it, Amory? Like, isn't that amazing? Oh, I think you might be muted. Yes, I was. Sorry. Yes, it is. My children will love to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> actually. Maybe my, don't let them hear this. <laughs> I know, right? No, actually, my older son, when I was freaking out, I don't know, a year or two ago, I wasn't freaking out, but I was like, honey, it's just, it's too much time. And so we sat down and we had to talk about it. And he sat me down and he said, mom, look at my grades. Look at, you know, how I get outside. I, I you know, go take pictures of the sunset. I do this. I do that, you know. And he goes, I'm fine you know, it, it's okay. I'm not one of these kids that's spending the entire day and not getting anything else in. <laughs> um, no. And, no. you know, he knew this before I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, bravo to you, Anne-Marie, for having the conversation. I think a lot of parents just react, right, emotionally mm -hmm. uh, because they feel snubbed. And I get it. A lot of, you know, when you see your kid looking at a screen as opposed to paying attention to you, um, that's oftentimes uh, annoying, if not just bad manners, right? <laughs> like yeah. if I, let's, let's go back a generation, right? Like when my, when, when my parents would come home and I was watching TV and they would say, Hey, how you doing? And I'd say, uh-huh, fine. I'm watching TV. And they would smack the remote out of my hand and say, Hey, I'm here. That's rude. Stop being a jerk. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't a new phenomenon that just has to do with video games. A lot of this is, is common courtesy. Uh, but parents, a lot of times have that gut reaction of, well, my kid is doing something weird. Therefore, the thing they are doing is the problem. And many times the solution is, is, is getting into their world. It's, it's understanding, wait a minute, why are they playing? Like one of the best things I did with my daughter is start playing the same video games that she plays, right? So like recently she got really into Among Us. This is the new game, right? Yeah. Before that it was, you know, it, it was uh, Candy Crush or it was uh, Fortnite or Roblox. There's always like the latest craze. And I try and like keep up and at least play it. And, you know, this is one that really was engaging for her. And then when I played, it, I was like, wait a minute, one, this is actually pretty fun. And two, what she's really doing is communicating, right? It's like what we used to do as teenagers, like, you know, we'd be on the phone for three hours every night talking to our friends and our parents, right. would, get off the phone, right? Like, that's really <laughs> what she's doing. And, but it takes playing that game. And you see like, actually, this isn't mind control. This isn't hijacking kids' brains. It's the way they, for many of them, that they socialize. So it's not that I'm, I'm like pro-tech, everybody let your kids do whatever they want. No, 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 no. I'm all for moderating their technology. But first, like you did with your son, Anne-Marie, is, you know, sitting down saying, wait, well, okay, what are the costs here? If the cost of too much tech use is, you know, my grades are declining, you're not getting time with your friends, you're not getting enough time for physical exercise, that is a real cost. 
how can we make sure that we can get enough of those other things? And if there's time left over, make time for a gameplay as well. But if, yeah, if your son's saying, look, my grades are great. I've got lots of friends. I'm doing physical activity. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy. Like we can have a conversation without, uh, you know, me checking the phone for every five minutes. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of, of, of a balanced media diet, so to speak. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to figure it out. (laughs) I'd have to agree that uh, my son, my youngest was born in 2007. So he's just a little older than your daughter near. And uh, he, I know that some kids don't self-regulate as easily as other kids. So I I know that that's a thing, but I mean, that's a reality, but he self-regulates just naturally and mm-hmm. he plays a lot of video games, like an obscene amount of video games. But after he's been on there for a while, he'll get up and go get his bike and go ride around the neighborhood and see if yeah. he can find any other boys who will come and join him. And if they won't, he'll just ride by himself. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. what I noticed during the pandemic also, like when we were in the really uh, hard shutdown phase in the spring, he fared the best of all three of my kids because he could get online any minute of the day. He could find his friends any minute of the day and they would be online playing. They would either be on their headphones or sometimes they put each other on a group FaceTime. So then they just sit the phone there while they play Minecraft or something. And then they're chatting and talking, Oh, go get that block and help me get this thing. And Oh, here's the entrance over here, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's great. Uh, I think it's really interesting to see how the world health organization, right before the pandemic, there was this big controversy among the psychology community because the world health organization uh, uh, named gaming as a, as a disorder. And, oh, oh, extreme gaming is a disorder. I can't remember the, what they called it. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, they released a statement that said, stay inside for your own health. Here's what we recommend you do inside. Play video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they literally made it a recommendation. Please play video games. Because again, it's, it's never as simple as saying screen time is bad, right? It matters so much. First of all, who is playing? As, as you mentioned, Aaron, some kids are different than others. So who is playing matters. You know, if a child mm-hmm. has an existing uh, condition, for example, a child has OCD or, or uh, 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 ADH, that can severely change how they react to certain stimuli. So certainly who is playing is a very big question. Understanding your, your, your kid's predisposition. Uh, how much they are playing is another important factor, right? No study, not even one that says that three hours or less, and that's a lot of time, three hours or less, considering all the stuff they get to do in their day, school and homework and all that stuff. If three hours or less, zero correlation with any negative repercussions. That's apparently every, not one study has shown that three hours or less has any deleterious effects as long as age appropriate. Okay. So little asterisks. Lots of content you would not want a kid who is not ready for it to see, but that's with any media, right? I wouldn't let my daughter walk into a library and just read any book because there's a lot of books that a 12-year-old little girl should not be reading until she's a little older. So it must be age appropriate. Three hours or less is fine. So how much time they spend on it is important. What they are doing 
is very important, right? So there's, you know, I think to, to expect uh, an iPad to be an iNanny, to just, you know, shove an iPad in front of your kid and say, here, you know, go on the open web, that's nuts. There's lots of bad stuff that kids should not have access to until they're ready. So what they're doing really matters. And I think one thing that, that is not discussed enough is what they would be doing instead of playing, right? Because one of the things that's never discussed is that all the bad stuff that kids in previous generations used to get into is at record lows, record lows. So uh, pregnancy, record lows, truancy, record lows, drug use with the exception of, of cannabis, record lows, gun violence, record lows, murder rates, record lows, drunk driving, record lows. All the bad stuff that used to kill kids is at record lows. This was supposed to be the generation of the super predators. They built prisons throughout the country because this was supposed to be the generation of kids that were going to wreak havoc. And those jails today, believe it or not, are empty. Well, part of the reason, if we want to take a very uh, uh, pragmatic view here, part of the reason is if you wanted to invent a machine to keep kids safe at home, off the streets and off the roads, Maybe it's not such a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe there are some benefits that we don't account for, right? And again, I'm not saying free for all, spend all day uh, on these devices. No, 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 absolutely not. I'm saying that there are nuances here, right? That there's more to the story than just black and white, good versus evil, tech bad, no tech good. No, no, no it's not that simple. It's so fascinating. The last time you and I spoke, it was pre-pandemic. So... The, the, I think this whole conversation has a, an added layer now, an interesting element of, like you were saying, all kinds of benefits that, that just came to light that were always there, but we didn't see it or we didn't look at it or we didn't appreciate yeah, it. Great point. Yeah. I mean, I have to say uh, this pandemic has brought my daughter closer together with her grandparents than I could have ever imagined because three times a week, they're playing chess. They're uh, having discussions. Wow. They're playing cards. Like they play, they found card games that they could each play with their own decks and they're playing over zoom and they have it on their schedule and like clockwork, they get together <laughs> and they, That's they get to, fabulous. You know, they, they these, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So, you know, this is why screen time is such a bad number because yeah is is talking with your grandparents over zoom screen time i mean technically it is but it's wonderful right what could possibly be wrong with that especially when we can't actually see them in person right during the pandemic right i i would definitely say i saw the same thing my mother-in-law is not tech savvy it just not she has a flip phone like this she fits with her generation i love her dearly but um because of the pandemic, one of our family members got her onto got her a Kindle because she couldn't go to the library to rent to borrow books. So she now reads, and then this family member connects with her every Saturday and downloads new books for her. Wow. And then my daughter gave, said, "I'm going to get Graham on FaceTime. I'm going to do it." And my mother-in-law doesn't have any technology at home. So we gave her our old iPad. And honestly, I just thought there's no way. I said to my daughter, good luck. And in my head, I'm thinking not going to happen. 
Don't yeah. you know she got her on FaceTime? And now <laughs> all through the pandemic, when neither one could go out, they would get on FaceTime and, and exercise together. No way. Isn't that crazy? Awesome. They would That's do fantastic. yoga and they would do hit training and all kinds of things on FaceTime. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had gone through this pandemic without these technologies? Like if this had happened in the 90s? No. No. Holy moly. <laughs> what would we do all day? <laughs> no. Because we wouldn't be able to order groceries online when we had to do that. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, we would have been in it. I can't, I can't even think about it. It's just too awful to think about. Another ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Now there are like, you know, I don't want to paint a perfect picture here. There are lots of things that I think the tech companies should do better. I think, you know, there's a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, I think they should do a much better job of keeping underage kids off of these platforms. You know, the, the, the site themselves say you're not supposed to use social media before age 13. That's what the sites themselves say. I can't tell you how many of my daughter's friends, you know, they're using TikTok, they're using Instagram, they're using these sites and they're all under 12. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're around her age. They're under 13, I should say. So I, th I wish the tech companies would do a better job of, of keeping underage kids off these platforms. Frankly, we as parents need to do some of that too. Uh, if a company says, don't let your kid of a certain age use a product, we should probably listen to them, right? It's probably good advice. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't want to paint a perfect picture of, oh, the tech companies are lily white and innocent. Uh, they, there's definitely a lot more they could do. But I think it's a little bit drowned out these days of expecting, you know, the big tech companies or big government to come and save us. By the time they do anything, our kids are going to be grown, right? They're going to be out of the house. And so that's why I think the message in Indistractable is one of personal empowerment, uh, that this narrative that we see a lot these days of, oh, the algorithms are controlling your brain and you're addicted and you're hijacked. And that's the kind of language that leads to learned helplessness. Because when you think, oh, there's nothing I can do, guess what? You don't do anything about it. And so that's what I'm trying to preach is this message in an extractable of, of personal empowerment, that there's so much we can do. Why would we wait for big tech and big government to fix this problem when there's so much we can do right now to help ourselves and our children become indistractable? Such a great, such a great point. I love so much in your book. I really, really do. Yeah. Can you share your favorite thing in your book to help us in our work to be indistractable. Sure. Yes. Okay. While we're, but, but, but pandemic edition, right? So there's a lot about yes. what we would do when you get back to the office, but for right now, for those of us who are working from home, uh, you know, we, we all think about distractions in terms of, you know, the pings and dings on our phone and our computer, but while we're working from home, don't we all know that our kids can be a huge distraction, right? So you're trying to work, and mommy, daddy, I need this and that. What do you do then? I'm going to fix this problem for you. Okay, you ready for it? Here's what you do. You look around your house and you find the most ridiculous hat you have. Okay, the most ridiculous hat you have. This is called, I'll show you mine. This is called the concentration crown. And every time you need to do focused work, Every time you can't be distracted, you put on the concentration crown. We started doing this with my daughter when she was just six years old. Every time we put on the concentration crown, my daughter knows, oh, daddy can't be interrupted. And before I hear that she needs something, you know, the rule is no interruptions unless someone's bleeding. If someone's bleeding, then you can come get me. But if you see that I'm wearing the concentration crown, that means I can't be interrupted. And it works like a charm. It works amazingly well with kids. Husbands take a little bit longer to learn this, but it also works with husbands as well. 
I love that. That's so, so smart. And I think it really is having a visual cue like that is really, it's a gift for kids. It's, it's compassionate for kids because when, if we're sitting at our computer, well, now kids are home, right? If we're sitting at our computer for the whole school day and we're working, there might be only a segment of that time where we really don't want to be distracted and interrupted. Right. right. How do but they know? They don't know what we're doing. And especially if they come in from the back of our computer, they can't even see what we're doing. So right. I think a visual cue like that is such a, a gift for kids so that they can easily see and respect, oh, I can't bother my mom or dad right now. Or Absolutely. I can. And the same, the same with them, by the way. If, if you start saying, look, this is the concentration crown. And, you know, you can get one too. One of the things I hear all the time from kids that they wish, like one thing you want your parents to know, it's that you cannot pause video games the way we could, right? When we played yes. our Nintendos, you push pause. You can't do that in games today, right? Like you can't pause because you're playing with teams because games today are social in a way that they weren't when we were growing up and parents don't understand. What do you mean? Pause the game. Big deal. You can't do that. <laughs> so, so one of the ways to get them to agree to this, if you have teenagers, little kids love it. There, that was, it's easy with little kids, but with older kids to say, look, I'll respect you as well. If there's a part of your, you know, when you're playing and you really can't be interrupted, just let me know. Just put on the crown and I'll come back, you know, knowing, by the way, we skipped a lot of steps in terms of how to become indistractable. A very important step, by the way, is to have a, a family schedule, right? Is to have some kind of plan of what your day looks like. So this is a game changer. If you, you, you know, if you don't do this, if you can sit down with your kid and say, look, how much time per day do you want uh, to play games or to be on FaceTime or whatever? Let's make a calendar. And then I know, hey, from this hour to this hour, I won't bother you. I'm going to respect that time. Just like I want you to respect my time when I'm working uh, is an, another wonderful way. Well, even though we're sharing the same space, we're working from home. Uh, it's a great way to, to teach them uh, time management as well. Because remember, you know, we're not raising kids, we're raising future adults. And so, you know, planning your time uh, ahead of time is an amazing way to teach them to self-regulate, to say, okay, it's fine that I do something I enjoy. But after that time, that's when I need to get back to whatever other uh, important priorities I might have. And that's a lifelong skill. Such terrific advice. I absolutely love it. And I think my favorite part of the book was when you had the conversation with your daughter when she was young, younger, about what amount of screen time she felt was reasonable. Now, of course, that's pre-pandemic. But can you tell that story again? Because I just love it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We, we sat down with her and said, you know, again, the, we didn't want to scare her. I think uh, uh, it's a mistake to say, oh, you know, screen time's bad for you because they see, they see we use it. They see we're on our computer. So, and their jobs are going to depend upon it, right? We, they need to be comfortable with technology because, you know, their futures depend on them being uh, conversant with these technologies. So we don't want to scare them. What we want to say is, look, the cost of spending an excessive amount of time on a, a screen is the opportunity cost, what we talked about earlier, it's what would you be doing instead of that time? So we asked her, you know, how, and this, I think she was six, five, six years old. We asked her, how much time would you want to spend uh, with your iPad per day? And so she thought for a minute and she said two episodes, meaning two Netflix episodes. She wanted to watch two, two episodes of one of her shows, which when we calculated it, each episode was about 23 minutes. So, you know, grand total of 45 minutes or so. 
I said, okay, 45 minutes, which is totally fine by me. 45 minutes a day is totally fine. Uh, again, no studies show that three hours or less of age-appropriate screen time has any deleterious effects. So I said, fine, you can have your two episodes, but here's the thing. I don't want to be the one to keep to make sure that you do this. How can I be sure that you will keep yourself to the number that you decided was good for you, right? You came up with that number of 45 minutes. How can you make sure that you do that and don't go over? And so she thought for a little bit and she said, how about this? Uh, we, at the time we lived in a different apartment and we had a microwave that was below the countertop. And she said, how about I go to the microwave and there's a button that says timer. Uh, and she could put, and she saw us using it. And so she could push the timer button, type in four, five, zero, zero, and set a timer for herself. And so now, uh, she doesn't do that anymore with the microwave. Now she does it with Alexa, right? She says to the Alexa, set a timer for 45 minutes, or she does it with her phones to set a timer for 45 minutes. And the beauty of it is I'm not the bad guy, right? I don't have to be, did you, did you stop you know, playing your device? Are you, you know, is, is time up? I'm not the bad guy. She has learned to self-regulate her use of technology with guess what? Technology, right? She's used the tools to help her make sure she doesn't go overboard, that she doesn't get distracted. And that's, that's wonderful. That that's a lifelong skill. That's a powerful lifelong skill. That's a lifelong skill that some adults need some help with. <laughs> that, that's absolutely true. I mean, everything in terms of the, the four steps of becoming indistractable, the best way you can teach your kids and model this behavior is to be indistractable yourself, right? So like many of the tools that I use, another, another wonderful service I use here, I'll show it to you right now, uh, is this app called Forest, uh, which is so beautifully designed. I'm not sure if we discussed it last time. Uh, basically, it's just this little app that plants a tree on your home screen, okay? So simple, my daughter uses it. She's used it for years. So you, you basically put in how much time you want to do focused work. So here I have 45 minutes. I push this button that says plant, and when I hit plant, this cute little virtual tree is planted. And if I pick up the phone and do anything with it, the virtual tree dies. It gets chopped down. And you don't want to be a virtual tree murderer. So it's enough of a reminder to say, nope, you didn't want to check your phone right now. You wanted to work on that blog post or finish that presentation. Or if it's your kid using it, do your homework, right? So when she needs time to focus and she doesn't want all the pings and dings and she doesn't want all the interruptions that come from her device, she just needs to do her homework. The fact that she uses this, and of course it gives them little prizes and points and badges, which she's crazy about. And she gets to deck out her tree and all that. It's so simple, but she sees me using it. Right. Like sometimes we'll go on the kitchen table and we'll just work next to each other and I'll do what I need to do and she'll do what she'll need to do. And she said, OK, let's let's set a 45 minute timer on uh, on on forest and get our work done next to each other. That's beautiful. Do you know when you set that timer on that app, does it silence all the notifications? Uh, or do you have to do that? Know. So as the default, my phone is always on, uh, on right. silent unless I need to use it yeah. uh, or you know, unless I'm expecting a call or something. Uh, so that's part of the strategy to do what I call hack back the external triggers. Mm -hmm. uh, but but that's, that's a good question. I'm actually not sure if it, if it will still let the... Uh, but if, if it did, you could just you know, hit mute here yeah. on the side. I love that. What a great app. Yeah. yeah. What great ideas. I think that everybody should get your book because I think that it is uh, really 
to like I think every human who can who's old enough to read <laughs> should read this because it really does have such great important ideas for how to live a healthy, happy, productive life with technology. I just think it's it should be required reading. I really do. Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. It, it means a lot to me. And it came from a personal struggle, right? It came because I needed this. And all the books that said, oh, just stop using technology. That's not realistic, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll get fired from our jobs if we just stop checking email. That's not realistic. Uh, and, and, and why would we? These are wonderful tools. And so I really wrote the book for me. And it's changed my life in so many ways. I mean, not just, you know, we talked all about technology, but look, you know, food can be a huge distraction. I used to be clinically obese and I would eat food uh, in a way that wasn't good for me. And now, you know, I'm 42. I'm in the best shape of my life because I finally do what I say I'm going to do. I exercise, I eat right. I'm closer to my family because I'm fully present when I say I will be. Uh, I'm more productive at work. And it's just all about this. This is what being indistractable is all about. It's not living your life according to someone else's goals and values. It's saying, look, whatever are your values, whatever it is that's important to you, how can we make sure that you stop getting in your own way? How can it be that when we know what to do, we still don't do it? And so that was really the, 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 the challenge here and, and why I think becoming indistractable is the skill of the century, because this is going to get just harder and harder, right? If you think the world is distracting now, just wait a few years. It's only going to become more distracting as technology gets better. It gets more pervasive, more persuasive, which means that we really have to arm ourselves and our kids with this ability to become indistractable. And the good news is I, I think we're, uh, we're no match for, for these technologies. This is an easy, this isn't a fair fight. We are so much more powerful than they are if we know what to do. If we don't know what to do, they win. But if we know some very simple tactics to become indistractable, we're far, far more powerful. Mm, I think that is a beautiful note to end on because that is empowering for anyone who listens to our chat today and to remind them that it, it is in our power to not be controlled by technology if we choose to be vigilant about it and be indistractable. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. It was great to be here with you. Yeah. So thank you, Nir. It was a pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm really glad that we spoke pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic because it's it's a whole new world we're living in and your book is even more beneficial now. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was great to see you as always. Thank you. You too. Thank you. I know what my holiday gift is going to be for all the parents. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is great. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to Aaron at Aaron-Taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, 
reach out to me. I am here to help you.